Can you recall the last time that someone said something positive to you, about you? And can you recall the last time something negative and hurtful to you and about you? I bet that second one is much easier to remember. Or if you remember both, the second sticks with you much more. and has more of an effect on you. How many times have each and every one of us wanted the ground to open up and swallow us up whole after many and many verbal faux pas? But what can we do about it? Can we do anything about it? When I was at college, my tutor refused to look at my university application, telling me, you need to lower your expectations. Let's be a bit more realistic here. It's now 11 years later and I graduated seven years ago, but I still have her voice in the back of my head telling me this constantly. I regularly have moments where I wonder if she was right. I wonder what she would have said if she had just paused and thought about the implications long-term about what she was about to say. Words are powerful. There's no doubt about that. I don't know about you, but words stick with me. And I find that a lot of my conversations are conversations about conversations, normally that were about conversations. And these stick with us. They're powerful. They have impact. And if that's the case, then why can't we get ourselves together? Why isn't everything we say encouraging and kind and full of building one another up? Why do we fall down at every hurdle? It says in James in chapter three, when we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So basically, small things can have a big effect, have a big impact. Like Shakespeare says, Though she be but little, she is fierce. Okay, he was talking about a character in A Midsummer's Night's Dream, but the point still stands. Now we all know this, each and every one of us. And so you might now be sat there thinking, Ah, oh, it's okay, I'm, I'm quite an encouraging person generally. I try not to knock people down. I try to be kind with what I say and what I do. And first, let me say thank you. Please continue doing that. Because as we know that one negative comment can take 30, 40, 50 comments to build a person back up again. So continue to encourage one another and build one another up. That comes from 1 Thessalonians in chapter five. But that being said, there are many things that we can say that we just don't realise can have that negative impact. There are things that have become part of the English language and just our day-to-day chit-chat that can have those effects. 
Can you think of any examples? I'll give you just a few. Imagine saying, it's like the blind leading the blind in here when you're next to someone with a visual impairment. Or saying, oh, it's like deaf as a doorpost when you're with someone who's hard of hearing. Oh, that's lame. Next to someone in a wheelchair. Or just the phrase, <laughs> you throw like a girl. Excuse me. How would these comments go down with those audiences? Do you think they'd be easy to swallow? Or do you think they would get fed up being the butt of the joke time and time and time again? What is it about that that makes them lesser and makes them deserving of these comments? Nothing. If we just pause, I'm sure we could all find different ways better ways of expressing these emotions and our feelings and what we're actually trying to say. Similarly, there are often questions or topics of conversation that if you don't know a person's story, might be hard for them to hear. They're never said with any malice, they're never said with, you know, intent to harm. However, that doesn't mean that they don't. For example, a young couple recently married how many times do you think they get asked oh so when are you having a baby or after they've had a baby so when are you having the next one it happens all the time and you don't know that couple's story maybe they're struggling with infertility maybe they've decided they don't want children fine that's their decision or maybe they've had one and decided you know what we're happy with just one but Comments like this may bring up, you know, painful uh, experiences. They may feel that maybe, does everyone else think my family is not complete because I've just had one child? Or maybe people think I'm selfish because we've chosen not to have children. Or maybe it's just painful as nothing this family want more than to have children, but can't due to a number of reasons out of their control. And your light-hearted comment of, oh, so when you're going to have a baby, may just cause more pain. So there are many examples like this, I could go on, where things are just part of our normal everyday vocab. Things are just part of general English conversation. But if we just paused and thought about it for a little bit of time, maybe we could think of a different thing to talk about. Maybe just the weather again. So I've probably now lost a lot of you. Some of you are now thinking, oh, millennial snowflake, you can't say anything anymore. But actually, why would you want to? If that was the case, if something you're saying is causing someone else harm, is making them feel bad, is making them feel sad, why would you want to say it? Maybe you're thinking, oh, they just need to man up and get over it, which is another one of those phrases. But actually, which party is it that needs to get over it? The party who is suffering and the party which is being hurt or the party that could change a simple sentence to help another to be built up and to be encouraged instead. So often we make these comments that are just throwaway comments. But if we just paused and thought about it a little bit more, then maybe we could find something better. 
When we look at the example of Jesus the whole way through the New Testament, we can see how he spoke to people and he was always looking to encourage and build them up. Yeah, he called them out for things and yeah, he had difficult words to say, but it was always to make them feel better and to make them be a better person. I don't know about you, but I can often hear things that outside of the church and Christian circles would be called gossip. But we tend to say these things willy nilly. We just tell everyone, you know, out of concern because we're sharing for prayer. But actually, what are our real motives here? Are we sharing for prayer? Are we telling someone so they can pray about the situation? Or do we just want to talk about it? If it's because we're actually sharing for prayer, is that still appropriate? God hears the prayers of every single person. And yes, maybe at times it is okay to share things for prayer, but not always. If you want to share things, maybe you need to think about which details you share. And actually, would that person appreciate everyone knowing what was going on, even if it was so they could pray? Sometimes we just need to pause and reassess our motives. So if the tongue is as dangerous as James made it out to be in that passage that we read earlier, if it really is untamable, then what on earth can we do about it? Is there anything we can even do about it? Or is it just something we have to live with? Well, there are three words I'm going to leave you with that might help you start to get a bit of a grapple with your tongue. Remember, surrender, confess. Remember, remember that everything you say has power. Everything you say will have an effect. Make that effect and a positive one. Surrender, surrender your mouth, your words, your communications to God. Let him be in charge of what you're going to say. If you pause before you speak, hand it over to God and say, is this going to be helpful? Yes, that takes time, but we all need to pause a little bit more and reflect on what we're going to say. If it's going to build someone up or if it's going to knock them down, either way, it's worth pausing to ensure that it's helpful. Confess. Confess to God those things you have said that have been unhelpful, that you've said that have knocked people down, that have been less than useful. We've all been there, we've all said things. Confessing is not a one-time thing. For many of us, this will be at least daily, if not hourly. So this week, whatever you get up to, as you join your Zoom meetings, or you go for your exercise with one other person, or you are with your support bubble, or that other person in your household who talking to is getting tough. Just remember before you do to remember, surrender and confess. And just make sure you pause before you speak. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak.